Beloved, beloved, good day, good day to you. This is Faith Without Borders. I'm your host, Pastor Calvin Sauls. Uh, so glad that you are joining us. Uh, that was uh, Crystal Josephs, and uh, she took us to church. Yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm from, and uh, that was a very, very powerful uh, song that is uh, based on Isaiah uh, 41, verse 10, which simply says to us, and these are the words, I believe, that uh, we all need to hear during these perilous uh, and uh, dangerous times of COVID-19, uh, a pandemic that has swept the world, shaken the world in so many ways. Uh, and so uh, Isaiah 41 verse 10 simply says, "Do So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And I know if I was at uh, Jaira International Ministries in uh, El Dorado Park, or if I was at uh, Crystal you know, uh, Church, uh, or if I was at the Free Baptist Church or any Baptist church, uh, that's what they're going to be going down with uh, if they were able to gather today because uh, that's how you know, we, we worship and get down and give God praise. Uh, in South Africa, but uh, in my hometown, you know, off El Dorado Park. And so hats off to my folks, uh, family and friends, you know, uh, in uh, Eldos uh, and Annadale and Cliptown and the surrounding areas. Uh, as I mentioned to you last week, uh, this is the second of two parts when we are zooming in and focusing in on the challenge of COVID-19 in uh, the land of my birth, South Africa, and we are meeting at the intersection of South Los Angeles and South Africa to see how we can go a little deeper and understand what is happening in other parts of the world. And of course, Mzanzi is uh, uh, my beloved uh, country, and so uh, I work hard to keep up uh, with what's happening there and staying in touch with folk who are on uh, the front lines. And so today, uh, once again, we are meeting at the intersection of South Los Angeles and South Africa. 
And we're exploring the topic audacity and adaptation amid COVID-19, pursuing a faith for life. And today, it is a joy for me to have some uh, old friends and some new friends, you know, joining me for this conversation, individuals who are on the front line of serving uh, their communities during these perilous times. And so, uh, so glad to have, uh, of course, our resident, you know, uh, MD, Dr. Mary Augusta Adam is with us. So glad that she's able to join us. And I have to just say that I do appreciate her for uh, working with me and collaborating with me in putting these uh, panelists uh, together, uh, bringing them together for this conversation. So really appreciate uh, Mary for her uh, partnership with Faith Without uh, uh, Borders. Also, uh, my uh, brother and dear friend, Apostle Gary Lamont, uh, who is the uh, senior pastor uh, and apostle at uh, Jaira International Ministries in my hometown of El Dorado Park. If I am uh, a home uh, and in Eldos, this is the church that I go to, and I tell you, that's the song they sang. And boy, when they sing this song at Jaira, let me say this, all hell breaks loose. And I did say hell because uh, hell will be out of there, you know, uh, because this, so when they sing this song, they sing the hell out of folk, amen? And they sing heaven into them. So uh, so good to have Apostle Gary Lamont, you know, uh, here with us. Also, uh, a uh, high school uh, friend and uh, who is uh, a colleague now, she's in education, uh, Renata Miles is, uh, with us. She's an educator, and uh, she's going to be speaking to us, you know, uh, from the uh, education uh, perspective, uh, as well as a joy to have Simon White with us, uh, who is also an educator and the founder of a, uh, a very, very impactful and powerful school uh, that is right there in uh, Cosmo City, which is right between Johannesburg and Pretoria uh, in four ways. Uh, doing extraordinary work there, you know, bringing together, you know, entrepreneurship as well as, you know, lifting up uh, the ability of our young people uh, there. We all know that uh, we are in the midst of uh, what's going on, and that's why we wanted to start with that song, because here at Faith Without Borders, our mission is to engage in the education and mobilization of multiracial and multireligious transnational movements for social equity and planetary justice globally. We connect with what's happening locally here in Los Angeles, regionally uh, in uh, the state of California, nationally in the United States, as well as internationally with what's happening around the world. And that's why we are uh, zooming in on this intersection between South Los Angeles and South Africa and to explore how folk have engaged in adaptation as well as uh, maintain their audacity during these uncertain times. So welcome, welcome. Good to have you. And I want to welcome all of my guests today. Uh, uh, it's evening there, so I say good evening. Huya Nand, Saubona, etc., etc. Let's see, you know, uh, how we are. Let's start with... Uh, 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 just quickly, I'm just going to invite each one of you to just go around quickly and just uh, say something about who you are and what you do uh, and um, what drives us here are the words that uh, Dr. Mary put into my spirit uh, several months ago, uh, which is 
uh, fear out, faith up. Uh, and so uh, how are you making sure that fear is out and faith is up during this time? I know we might have a delay, and so we'll adjust to that. But just say quickly uh, your name once again, uh, where you are serving, and also how you are serving you know, uh, the community that you are a part of. So we'll start with Dr. Mary, and then we'll go with uh, Apostle uh, Lamont, uh, and then we'll go to Renata, and then after that, uh, we'll hit Simon. Dr. Mary. You can sit. Um, Calvin and to the panelists, uh, good evening as well to you, to the listeners, and to the viewers. Lovely to be back with you again this um, chilly Johannesburg evening. Um, I'm, uh, as um, Reverend Carl, uh, Reverend uh, Calvin has mentioned, I am a medical doctor in the field of obstetrics and gynecology, but I'm also in combine that with infectious disease, and I'm part of the COVID team for our department. And so definitely not just in the front line, but as I, uh, I like to say, we're in the fire. So, and I know that Jesus is with us in this fire as we continue to move forward, mobilizing the masses, mm -hmm. educating them, and helps um, both preventative and curative um, medicine during this time of COVID. And just also to um, rest assure or to bring about a piece about this is that we're not only focused on COVID, we're also focused on still the other ailments and illnesses that do come through our hospitals. So don't fear when you come to the hospital, we say you have COVID. No, we just, um, we're just uh, making sure that we're practicing um, international standards, uh, local standards in terms of uh, prevention and curative medicine. That's what I do at uh, the largest hospital in the Southern Hemisphere, Baraguanath Hospital. Thank Lord you very have much. mercy. I already learned a new word. I always learn new words from Dr. Mary because she's much smarter than I am. I hear, I heard, learned the word cu curative. Lord have mercy. Okay. I'm writing, oh, yes. that, I'm writing that one down in the name of Jesus. Curative. Uh, 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 Apostle Gary Lamont, my brother, my, my friend, uh, uh, just to tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about Jairam Ministries International. Yeah, well, greetings to you and greetings to our panelists and uh, also greetings to all our viewers and all our listeners. Uh, my voice is a bit worse. If you do about three services or four services on a Sunday, uh, your voice is worse. But yeah, uh, my name is Gary Lamont. Um, I come from uh, uh, the south of Johannesburg. Uh, I don't know where the doctor comes from because it's freezing uh, on their side. Uh, but on the, on the south of Johannesburg, it is quite hot here. There's some hot people staying in the south. Uh, but yeah. Um, I'm the presiding prelate of Australia Ministries International. Um, uh, we oversee a few branches uh, in South Africa. And uh, it's such an honor and a privilege just to, to be a part of the lives of people. Um, I, if you want my resume, we'll do it later on. Uh, but uh, to Reverend Calvin, uh, thank you so much, man, for, for having me on today. Uh, I'm privileged and honored to talk to you from. Uh, the south of uh, Johannesburg, and you in the south of Los Angeles. Uh, it is just good to talk to you and to all the viewers. Uh, man, thank you for being a friend, and thank you to uh, everybody that's going part of this panelist. It is a very interesting topic, and uh, I work in Aldorado Park, uh, the crime-free area in South Africa. 
uh, and I believe it is a crime-free area in South Africa. And yeah, uh, we do what we can do for the community. We do what we can do uh, for countries. And, and thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, and I'm looking forward to engaging on what we want to talk about tonight. Mm. Uh, for you, it's Ida awesome. Morning, uh, Reverend Kelvin. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just waking up already at two cups of coffee. Uh, I got my water here with uh, with watermelon and some other stuff in it so I can kind of stay awake and, and, and all that good stuff. But uh, uh, so we're just starting the day here. Glad you, you guys are leaving some of the day to us, you know, uh, so we can enjoy it as well. Uh, Renata Miles, uh, we went to high school together. Please do not, uh, uh, you know, uh, share any secrets of what I did in high school. Uh, if you do, I want to let you know I, uh, I have close connections, you know, with uh, some folk that can, you know, come and take care of you and your family, okay? So, uh, so just be careful what you say, all right? Renata, so good to see you, and thank you, Mary, for reconnecting us. Uh, and uh, please uh, introduce yourself and uh, just tell us what uh, you've been up to. Good morning to you, Kelvin, and good evening to the rest of the panel. It's such a it's such a privilege to be part of it. Um, Kelvin, I won't I won't say anything. It I will clearly keep this just between the two of us. Don't you worry. I'm a teacher by profession. Um, I've been teaching just over thirty years at a secondary school or high school, and I must say it's it's still a. a an awesome um, an experience and in this time i might add very very uh, different yes um teaching and my husband andre miles is a pastor as well and mm -hmm. a teacher mm -hmm. so we work together we've been working in the, the community all our lives i'm born here i'm i was raised here in Cape Town, extension nine area later mm -hmm. on um attended school with uh, calvin high school like he said and now I'm still part of the school family and the school community. And I'm privileged here to, to be here this evening so that we can share what we are also encountering being part of the El Dorado Park community. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks, Renata. So good to see you. And please, uh, uh, our regards mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and uh, love to uh, Andre and all of you guys as you do what you're doing. Uh, let's uh, uh, go over to the north. Um, kind of hit uh, the Pretoria area there. Um, uh, Simon is with us. Uh, Simon, would you just quickly introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about the extraordinary work that you are uh, doing uh, in that community of Cosmos City, which is a new township, you know, uh, right outside of Four Ways. And mm. uh, just, you know, what have you been up to, my brother? Uh, good day, everybody. Um, yeah, it's uh, indeed a, a, a pleasant privilege and opportunity to be able to connect with yourselves and um, people that seem to share a vested interest in the upliftment of their communities and things like that. Um, because it's always been one of my key points and areas of... Um, oh, I think you changed, sorry. <laughs> Everybody did change, just change it right away. Uh -huh. um, oh, here we are. Okay. Uh, key point of, of concern um, that uh, many, some of us that have uh, uh, had the opportunity and privilege of uh, going to tertiary and being part of the middle class, we don't seem to 
um, you know, uh, do much for our communities where we come from. Um, yeah, in terms of uh, my, my background, I've also been a teacher um, in the initial years, and then I went into business. Um, and but I've always had this calling of going of uh, of education because I know the power of education, you know, and things like that. And and uh, about seven eight years ago, I took on the challenge of um, starting the school, but we decided we'll start it differently because we want to align the school with the um, e economic needs. Of people, because one of one of the biggest frustrations has always been people going to school and not getting jobs, and the issue of self empowerment and economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, has always been an issue of neglect within uh, the township community. So we deliberately went out of our way to create a entrepreneurial school um, that focuses on entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, those are the subjects to be teaching in addition to all the other subjects. And um, it has been, we've achieved the desired results that we've set ourselves out to do. But we're also extensively involved in, in, in the community in various different shapes and forms. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is a wonderful exercise to engage with yourselves. And I'm very pleased and delighted uh, to be engaged with yourselves. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our connection, Simon, of course, is you went to Fred Norman High School in Ennerdale. And uh, I believe that's yes. the school where my third oldest brother, uh, uh, that's mm -hmm. where he taught in Annadale. So, uh, so we do have a, uh, have a connection there. And I'm glad that you activated the alumni uh, to see how we can mm -hmm. pay it forward, uh, as you say, yeah. um, uh, around uh, always reaching back and reaching uh, uh, for a hand up with our, with our folks. That's, that's what I'm just so uh, proud of in terms of the relationship I've maintained there and to see, you know, what you know, uh, individuals such as Dr. Mary, uh, Apostle Lamont, and Renata, and you are doing, uh, that is an inspiration to me, even though I'm 20,000 miles away, to continue to make sure that I stay connected and that I uh, pay it forward to reach back and be a lift up, you know, uh, for our uh, folk there. I am just delighted and privileged to have all of you here because we're going to touch on the impact of education, and that's why Renata, you, and Simon are here. The impact of our, of, in, on our faith community, you know, uh, Apostle Lamont is going to uh, share around those pieces. And we're going to start, mm. of course, mm. you know, with, you know, uh, Dr. Mary, just to kind of give us, you know, just a, a brief update around what, what is the state of COVID-19 and its impact uh, in South Africa in general, and then you know, uh, we always want to zoom in on how this is impacting our townships, you know, whether they are, you know, in, uh, uh, in, in Cape Town or in Durban, you know, uh, or in the Free State or even, you know, in KwaZulu, uh, well, Durban, KwaZulu, tell the same piece, but also uh, in South Johannesburg and North Johannesburg. But, you know, uh, Dr. Mary, just give us a mm. quick update, you know, uh, from a, a medical and scientific perspective, if you will, please. Thank you so much. And um, just as a, a South African perspective on COVID, uh, we're sitting now at um, 153,000, just slightly over 153,000 uh, confirmed cases of COVID um, in our country. Um, but also, um, just to add to that, is that uh, what is coming through a lot now is that people don't want to only focus on what are the positive cases, um, but they also want to pos uh, um, pause and have a look at what's happening with the recovery. 
uh, particularly within our provinces, because we need to shed hope and light on this condition, because from the beginning, we've been speaking about um, the the death and the gloom about uh, COVID-19. So yes, even though we have over uh, 153,000 confirmed cases with the rise to over 4,000 cases per day um, uh, or new infections every day, um, we also see that in a province like Gauteng that became the epicenter at the beginning of this month, we see that uh, now uh, we have recovery rates of close to 33% out of that total population. So that's quite um, reassuring and um, and not that uh, we should relax in our efforts um, to uphold the six pillars of the response to COVID, but what we should be doing is saying that, yes, people are recovering from COVID-19 um, and people are living to share their testimonies. In the Gauteng province currently, let me just um, do this. Um, and specifically, in because in El Dorado Park, um, uh, it's uh, part of the city of Johannesburg, and we've got a number of regions, and or it's subdivided in regions. And the south of Johannesburg uh, falls under a, a region G, or city of Joburg G. And that um, includes Orange Farm, Villiers Farm, Ennerdale, Lanasia, El Dorado Park and Pretoria um, South. And there we found that there's a total of 5,498. Um, that was the stats from yesterday with, um, with recoveries of 3,179 3, um, recoveries. So that's an important um, thing to take note of. Yes, there are people who are dying and um, from the COVID-19, but these are still uh, looking at uh, people with comorbidities such as hypertension, diabetes, and other underlying conditions. But, and the age factor is still a factor. And yes, um, still we see males more than females uh, contracting the virus and actually having um, severe um, uh, uh, disease from it. But uh, yet we're seeing that um, they do recover. Um, even some of them, they do have prolonged hospital stays, ICU, oxygenation, but there are patients who actually are able to self-quarantine at home, and that's an important thing to mention to our communities, to our country, and to the world, that um, uh, South Africa is, is, is we're there, but we're getting, we get, we're getting, we're getting, um, we're getting better at um, dealing with COVID-19. Great. Thank you for that. Uh, indeed, we want to let folk know that you know, when you do, prevention is the key. However, when you do, you know, a test, you know, a positive, uh, it is a detour and not a dead end. A recovery is possible. That's why we lift up that uh, scripture, Isaiah 41, verse 10, uh, just to let folk know that this is the God that we serve. You know, uh, he promised to uh, never leave us nor forsake us. So the church might be closed in terms of the building, but God's grace and God's healing power remains wide open, you know, uh, for mm. folk to experience. And as we bring together health and faith or science and faith, uh, that is a necessary, you know, uh, and, you know, a powerful combination uh, as we look at, you know, uh, what, uh, what needs to happen. We'll get to some of the comorbidities that you are mentioning, uh, or even some of the pre-existing challenges, uh, social, uh, and political that we've had in South Africa that has in so many ways, you know, exacerbated, you know, the impact of 
you know this uh, pandemic. Uh, but let's uh, let's move on. We know South Africa is a a, a very very uh, a spiritual uh, country, religious country. You know, uh, faith plays a very very important role uh, in you know the lives of people. South Africa is also a very pluralist country. You know, um, um, around that and. Uh, but faith is, you know, um, very, very important to a lot of people, you know, or to most people in South Africa. Uh, and so we know that churches mm-hmm. have had to close because of social distancing, you know, uh, and just some of the risks involved around how COVID is spread. And that, of course, has brought some challenges uh, about. But, you know, now that, you know, this is actually increasing, uh, and uh, it's really testing people at uh, you know on so many levels, you know, um, uh, and we'll 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 get to some of those. But I want to bring in Apostle Lamont, you know, just to uh, share with us some perspective from um, uh, a faith leader, you know, who uh, is very very active in the community and with his congregation, and is connected with other uh, faith leaders and pastors around the country. Can you just share with us? You know, how do we as people of faith, you know, uh, approach this? How do we, you know, uh, work our way through this? You know, uh, there's a lot of denial going on. There's a lot of questioning about God. You know, why ask God? And, you know, all of that that's going on. Uh, How do we, you know, uh, in so many ways fortify our faith uh, and experience a blessed assurance, you know, during this time? Apostle Lamont? Thank you for coming to the You know, man, uh, it, is, it is indeed a, a challenging time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know me, I'm an optimistic person. Mm-hmm. My, life is, my life evolves around being optimistic. But I must admit, it's a very challenging time uh, for the church. Uh, challenging time in the sense that uh, people are questioning uh, the authenticity of God. Mm. They are questioning if God is real, mm-hmm. and if God is real, where is God in all of this that's happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, where is God when we go through this pandemic? And many people are even asking, why did God allow mm-hmm. this pandemic to come across, uh, or rather come on us in, in, in the entire world? Well, it is very simple. I need to say it up front and outright that this pandemic has not been caused by God. It is not God sending this pandemic uh, to the world to destroy the world. And, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jesus asked this question. He says, when he returns, will he find faith? This is a direct uh, fight on our faith system. It's a, it's a fight on a belief system. It's a fight on, uh, on, on what we believe God can do. Mm-hmm. Because the enemy is not after your money. It's not after uh, your, 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 your education, your wealth. It's after your faith. Because it is faith to please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. And so as a church, as churches to say, we have this challenge for you, uh, keep on having to motivate people and let them understand that even in this pandemic, just like Israel was in Egypt for 430 years, mm-hmm. God delivered them. Yeah. 
God is going to deliver us out of this. We have to bring across a message of hope, uh, a message of peace, and a message to let people understand that this too shall pass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This too shall pass. Yeah. We are in this thing, but this thing is not in us. Mm. That we need to understand. We are mm. in it, but it's not in us. Yeah. Uh, we have a war going on around us, but there's not a war on the inside of us. Mm -hmm. One thing I can assure you and assure our listeners and our viewers and also the faith community is, is that the system that the enemy wants to bring in uh, through this virus, this system will not succeed because we operate under a total different system. A total different system. We operate under a faith system and that is what's going to work for us. So my, my word to, to all our viewers and listeners is that don't give in because Isaiah 43 from 18 says, God says uh, he's doing a, a new thing. Mm. He's doing a new thing. I believe God is going to take us to heights in him that I has not seen nor ear heard mm -hmm. what God has in store. After this pandemic, we are going to see and praise God for what he has done. I also need to say this. That, uh, that uh, we, are, we are born in the right time. No one else would have been able to bear what we are bearing today. Mm -hmm. We are born at the right time. Uh, God will not give you something that you cannot bear or overcome. Yeah. And I'm sure if Apostle Paul was alive, and you would have said to, 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 and you would not have made it today. Because what we're going through today is things that we alone can bear. So we in this thing, we're going to overcome it with our faith. That's the confidence that I have in this God, mm -hmm. that we will overcome this. This thing, listen to me, our viewers and listeners, this thing will pass. We will not succumb to COVID-19. COVID-19 will succumb to the word of God. Amen, amen. That's, that's indeed a, a word up. I, I, I'll remember, you know, when we were going through um, um, Hurricane Katrina and I was part of relief efforts in New Orleans, uh, I saw a sign that I'll never forget. You know, uh, that was right there, you know, uh, in, uh, planted on the beach in the uh, Gulf Coast. And that sign uh, said, uh, Katrina was big, but God is bigger. And I have Come just on. been, you know, uh, uh, holding on to that saying, COVID-19 is big, but God is bigger. And, uh, uh, and to that extent, we have to realize, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, God did not cause it, but God can use it. Amen. And so that is just so uh, powerful, you know, for us to, to mm -hmm. realize uh, around yeah. the fact that we have been, you know, uh, made uh, more than conquerors. And, and what we need to do is to make sure that we follow the, the direction of washing our hands, the direction that comes around wearing uh, face protection and keeping that distance, you know, uh, that we, you know, need to have. We can be six feet apart physically, but we can still be connected spiritually in so many in so many ways I want to uh, stay on the spiritual piece and bring Renata in before you know uh, you talk as an educator you know uh, you mentioned that you know uh, uh, um, uh, you and your husband you know Pastor Andre Miles you know uh, you know um, uh, pastoring and serving a free Baptist church you know uh, there you know can you maybe share a, you know some uh, sense of you know you know how is that going and you know, with the challenge of, 
this pandemic, you know, uh, how have, how's the congregation doing and, you know, the, that immediate community that that yeah. congregation is serving. Uh, just give us a perspective, if you will, you know, uh, uh, or as we say, you know, around here, a first lady's perspective, you know, uh, uh, around this, if you will, Renata. Thank you, Kelvin. Um, firstly, from, yeah, the spiritual side, it's very challenging. Um, we've, we've tried to have normal, but it, clearly there's nothing normal in how it used to be. So we, we had to adapt quickly. And in terms of the church, the closure obviously meant we could not have formal church like we know it. Mm -hmm. So we have a WhatsApp group now and other medias of communicating and having daily devotions and prayer for one another and also to intercede. And, and then the greatest need, apart from just being electronically and by social media being connected, people, people still suffered and they're still suffering. Mm -hmm. So food parcels, um, quite essential, where deliveries had to be made physically, you still have to go to uh, the congregation and the, the community because you don't limit it to the congregation only. And what saddens us is that you, all this is available, but how it's orchestrated, how it's given out, that can many a times be challenging mm -hmm. uh, in terms of it doesn't really get to the people who really need to get it. So this is where the church played a great role. Every, little, every church where they could actually feed people they know, get to the grassroots of the elderly, the sickly, the, the people who could not afford to even get up or come out of their homes. And that really helped uh, a lot in, in getting, if you know your, your community, if you know your, your congregation mm -hmm. and you know the need. And yeah. uh, this is how we, we, we initially started when COVID, the level five lockdown um, was initiated. That was the, the, the greatest uh, challenge at the time. And then also funerals, you know, and when people yeah. become sick, they phone and they expect you to, to come as normal. Pastor, I'm not well. Will you come and serve me with communion? Will you come and pray with my mom? My, one of my parents have been um, uh, hospitalized. Whatever the, 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 the scenario, they still expected you to do as before, to come out as before. And it, it breaks your heart when you cannot, when you cannot service people as you're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And um, we quickly... We quickly had to work around that. Mm -hmm. Funerals, challenging. The 50, limited 50 people only. Families, we still don't understand. We don't get it. Here in Africa, well, I suppose everywhere, when we go to a funeral, it's attended well, yeah. better than a, a Sunday morning church service. Mm -hmm. So it's always been a good platform of uh, spreading the gospel. Yeah. And now it's so different and it's so sad. Indeed, indeed. I mean, for us, it's for funerals, the, the, the maximum is 10 people. So, so we can certainly identify, oh. you know, with uh, uh, the limitation around that. Um, because for us in Los Angeles, we are right now the epicenter and our leadership, uh, both grassroots and, you know, uh, uh, elected. Uh, we, uh, we've come together to make sure that, you know, we get the message out around the fact that until there is a vaccine or any therapeutic, you know, um, solutions for this. We are the solutions. We are the ones in this moment that we've been waiting for. And so it is so essential for us uh, to, uh, to do that. Uh, indeed, as you mentioned, uh, Renata, this is a season of 
uh, extraordinary, you know, uh, innovation uh, and um, um, an extraordinary, you know, adaptation. I mean, we are called to really, you know, uh, mm. bust the box and be creative, you know, and see how we can, yes, be about high tech, but while we do that, make sure we don't lose that holy touch, you know, that yes. we have called to, to be in that touch of hope and compassion, you know, uh, that we uh, that we need to be, you know, uh, for such a time as this. So thanks uh, for that. Let's transition to the education piece because, you know, again, mm. I, I call this an intersection because, you know, uh, there are so many similarities. Just to let you guys know, we are dealing mm. with food insecurity uh, here in South Los Angeles. And so, you know, uh, we... You know, every week, you know, work with uh, o uh, over uh, 2,000 families to make sure that they uh, have food, you know, because of uh, the lack of access to food and the challenge around food equity, you know, oh. uh, in the United States in general. But of course, for us in South Los Angeles, you know, we're paying attention to that and making sure that we, you know, uh, we are responsive to those needs. So we want to thank all of our partners working with it and for Peace Chapel Church for hosting us in doing this in South Los Angeles. But also we are right now in the middle of the education question, you know, around, you know, mm -hmm. should, you know, uh, learners go back to school? You know, uh, what does uh, distant learning, you know, mean? We still have the challenge, you know, uh, of the digital divide where not everybody has equal access to internet or, or to devices you know, uh, that can connect to the internet for distance learning, you know, so all of that, that's a pre-existing condition to, you know, COVID-19 that we haven't dealt with. And now, once again, it's been exposed just like so many other, you know, um, pre-existing conditions has been exposed. Uh, but education, we know, is huge uh, in South Africa. We are, of course, still recovering, you know, uh, from, you know, uh, what um, happened during apartheid and this transition, you know, uh, for the last uh, 20 past years continues to be, you know, a challenge, you know, for us. So, uh, uh, Simon, Renata, we want to just hear from the two of you, you know, uh, around mm. what's happening around education. Renata is, of course, in public education. Simon, you have your own school uh, that you're working with um, uh, in, in terms of, you know, stepping out and being creative and innovative around connecting that entrepreneurship piece, which then connects, you know, with the economic upliftment that needs to take place, you know, in South Africa still, which is another pre-existing condition, right? Economic inequality, you know, in South Africa. So, so let's start with the, uh, the public sector first. Renata, if you can give us some perspective around that, and then Simon, we're going to uh, hand the baton over to you to maybe share, you know, uh, some of your, you know, uh, perspective, you know, perspective, uh, having gone into the private sector and coming out of it. Renata, you want to share a little bit about, you know, uh, schools closing, opening, you know, big debate in parliament you yeah. know, uh, and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Oof, yeah. Um, Calvin, it's, if I have to go back, I'll just I'll try and keep it very brief, but it's, it's very difficult, I must say, because I have a lot on my mind, but I hope I won't be too long. I remember the 20th, around about the 20th of March, we closed for the first time 20, of 2020. Mm -hmm. We closed for the first time. That was just uh, as the term, the first quarter of the year, uh, school year finished. And we closed for quite a significant time, which obviously to any child 
um, it was any person on earth now, in terms of the, the pandemic and COVID-19, it was a anxious time. It was a, a time of, of, of unsurety and, and, and we just could not understand and grasp what we were heading into. And we just took it in our stride at first. So from the 20th of March, it was treated as a, a vacation, a holiday. Um, then we learned more about COVID. But in the meantime, children were roaming the streets. Life went on like normal. Uh, they were playing, no precautionary measures in general. We weren't too worried about it uh, to a great extent because it was an unknown thing. And then when the ninth, as time progressed in the weeks of lockdown, lockdown five, which was extreme, we weren't allowed, we were very limited. But I don't think children really grasped how limited the, the limitation of the lockdown in, in township, the lockdown five. It was like normal. People would go around um, doing their things, trying to go to places, although there were uh, all these regulations put into place, it wasn't necessarily followed and adhered because of the, of, of the newness of the, of the whole pandemic. Then we had um, schools reopening on the 9th. But as it even opened, you know, even before that, it was debatable, should it open or should it not? Because now COVID-19 started becoming a reality. People became sick, people became infected, um, people died. Um, we, we started to, to put faces and names to people being infected now. And this caused great concern for the community the edu uh, in ed education. Should we, can we have learners and children back who's been roaming freely? No masks in general, and I'm generalizing now, um, no uh, adhering to this, the, the lockdown rules. How are we gonna cope with them in a class? How are we gonna, how are we gonna, uh, get them to know about the social distancing. Will they stay within the demarcated areas we had in the classes? We have in the classes. Uh, we, we've, we're so challenged with the, the massive classes we've always had. This is an old problem where we have uh, too many learners in the class. And now we had to, we could not have 50 and just less than 50 in a class. And now we had to strategize and we followed all the, the rules and the guidelines mm -hmm. according to um, our department. Having less, uh, lesser learners in a class, but this was, it's still a concern because many, many learners uh, only started wearing a mask the day they entered the school, the mm -hmm. 9th of June, when we returned. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that was their first experience with sanitizing, pre-sanitizing, post-sanitizing, washing your hands, following uh, social distancing. Um, it, was, it was a wake-up call, a rude awakening for a lot of them. They literally sat like zombies in the class, not responding with this mask on, sitting there and wondering, why am I here? Even as teachers, it was new to us as well. And we were trying to cope and be brave and, and seem like a, 
don't worry this this will be this is the new normal but it was it's also something that was difficult for us to adapt to mm-hmm. and we we had to quickly come to terms with the fact that we had to learn more about this we had to have the policy in place but in reality i work in the isolation room if i think of it yeah, at school isolation room so when learners um are not well and they're at school or when they're at home and they're not well they report to us and we put them in uh, on a little register where we write down the symptoms and we have screening and all that happening but the but what i want to come to is that we our own community and our own children and our parents did not necessarily understand the mm-hmm. procedure the new the new uh, procedure we were following and the protocol and it's still challenging for a lot of them they they feel that we at times uh, we 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 being um we being extra we it's 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 a nuisance to go to a doctor and get a clearance medical report it's 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 asking too much because you must remember for many pa- parents a school is a daycare center where they know at least while i'm at work my child is safe somewhere so this could no longer be like that when children come and go as they please we they needed to report if they do not come they needed mm-hmm. to tell us that they were they've taken ill and we needed to know whether they were infected or not mm-hmm. at our school uh since we've reopened the 9th of june we've closed um four times unofficially from the 9th of june up to now when we closed the 24th of july officially why did we close four times because every time when someone was infected we had four teachers four teachers alone being uh, infected and this meant closure of the school mm-hmm. to be sanitized deep clean you know just be creating creating a safe environment for us all to come in again so every time we had disturbances for a couple of days what does that mean to a child mm-hmm. it means to many of them just another holiday many of them cannot work on their own because of all the challenges that you've also mentioned a few not uh, having a technology a ready available data smartphones or just this very space at home they live in this little small they live in this little mkuku the small hut or the small home mm-hmm. and uh, how will you work if all of you are at home if you all cook in there you you can't work like that so these are just a few of the things that i yeah. mentioned maybe if i get an opportunity i can continue but yeah. Yeah. oh at yeah, school mm-hmm. sanitize uh, 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 oh just the word sanit- teaching them to sanitize pre-sanitizing post-sanitizing before you touch anything after you've used uh, the, the, the restrooms um it, it's quite um a daily task every day you need to remind them from the morning when we come in at 7 in the morning when we start screening them and explaining to them over and over you are not well you can't come in you you need to go to the clinic you need to go to to and see a doctor 
uh, you haven't spent enough time in isolation. Maybe if you were involved in, in, in or one of your family members have been um, infected. Yeah. So it was always this thing of, but I want to be at school because children feel safe at school. I want to be here. Can't I come? And this was, the, and still is, a, a great ch a challenge for us, mm -hmm. uh, Calvin, yeah. in terms of we want the learners to be there for education, but how do we have education? How do we have this um, daily uh, pre preparation mm -hmm. and yet we have disturbances from, like I said before, there four unofficial breaks already because of infections in the, within the school itself. Right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, you've clearly described just the uh, uh, diverse challenges that uh, that could take place, and and that, that someone I want to ask Dr. Mary just to respond to some of that from a medical perspective, but then also for all of us, how do we how how can the faith community respond to that, even though they are still you know a limited gathering time, but you know what what educational preventative educational role uh, can you know. Um, uh, community clinics as well as you know faith communities play around this because clearly what you're describing it seems as if parents need the necessary education uh, as to how to partner with you know uh, educators around you know this but I, it also uh, begs the question as to what uh, is the government doing you know uh, in terms of making sure that schools and educators have the necessary equipment, you know, for learners to um, to be in school. Should they be in school? That's the big debate. Should they be in school or not? And um, and if they are in school, are we prepared? Have we made the necessary uh, preparation and adaptation of these learning environments for the students, you know, to be there, you know, uh, uh, so that they can know that their safety is our priority, you know, around us. So we'll. You know, we'll, we'll get to that, you know, in a few. But I want to bring in, you know, um, uh, Simon, just to uh, share, you know, some perspective. I know you have started your own school. How is this similar or different for you as you do the work that you're doing, you know, in Cosmos City, you know, at your uh, school, which is a connection between, of course, entrepreneurship, you know, as well as education, you know, economic upliftment, you know, as well as, you know, uh, educational excellence. Simon? Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I can only empathize with Renata as experience because um, um, those are some of the things that we foresaw and um, some of our colleagues in, in, in public schools were telling us uh, the difficulties they were experiencing and what they foresaw. Um, and it was just a matter of time, you know, for things to happen. And as some people say, uh, when the when the uh, chickens come home um, for roasting and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, when it first started, uh, about the 20th of March, more or less, the schools fortunately closed. You know, so mm -hmm. there was um, um, a school and it coincided with the lockdown. So there was a bit of a break of the learners and things like that. And the schools closed. Uh, but when the schools reopened, we could um, continue, uh, but emphasize the issue of sanitizing, washing your hands and everything else. And uh, and I think the difference between our school and the Renata school, we are predominantly a primary school, mm -hmm. uh, although we do have grade eight learners. 
um, as where's uh, not is the, the, the high school, uh, the learners at the primary school are more obliging and more amendable uh, to instructions and guidance and taking advice, you know. Um, so that, that was also quite good because we could engage the learners and sometimes make it playful, fun and everything else. And, you know, in terms of sanitizing and washing your hands and stuff like that. But over time, uh, as the infection increased, in the country and um, uh, with the second lockdown when the schools were closed again uh, it became a bit more difficult but prior to that we had uh, deliberately decided that we have to find solutions and we have to do things differently we see the impending danger and um, what we then did was that we then looked at having remote schooling uh, and and we use a very simple tool, you know, which is WhatsApp. It's not the best tool, but it is quite effective if you apply it correctly, you know. And uh, so we used WhatsApp um, for remote schooling and it satisfied our parents. The learners learned a lot and the teachers, we were quite flexible in terms of using it. Right. So but uh, I think we use it for about for two and a half months with some degree of satisfaction. But over time, you know, it uh, it wears down. Because at the end of the mm. day, we all social creatures. Children are more social creatures than us. You know, they want to interact, talk, and everything else. And being isolated from home for such a long time is a bit difficult. We have learners from different spectrums. Others from Deep Slut, which is generally a squatter camp, um, Cosmos 34 ways, and... Uh, the other surrounding areas like Chartwell. So the the learner population is fairly diverse um, and things like that. We had emphasized the parents must uh, try the hard, the, the very hard to ensure that the learners have uh, cell phones. Uh, and when the parents and the learners went home together uh, during the second lockdown, it was much more easier because the parents could coordinate and work with the children and in some cases, give the children their own devices to work with. So they kind of like made things easy uh, to some extent. We achieved the desired results by and large. And, um, you know, and it was really working quite effectively. We then realized uh, and saw certain opportunities uh, in that respect, you know, um, that you can um, um, apply remote schooling um effectively using technology because obviously it was um um new grounds that we had to kind mm -hmm. of like cover mm -hmm. uh, and things like that mm -hmm. and um but over time the schools closed again uh, and we could sense the children were tiring you know and not participating as actively as they uh, wanted to we then decided to scale down to, in to engage the parents and then we had three days of schooling, as an example, right? And but unfortunately, when we kind of like agreed on the three days of schooling, the numbers started to rise in South Africa, and more so in Gauteng, and parents became more scared um, in terms of um, their children being exposed, their grannies at home, um, you know, and. Uh, parents and other family members having underlying conditions and things like that. So 
it was quite a uh, divisive uh, issue amongst parents because some parents had to go to work. They never had anyone uh, with the children. Um, and uh, is it not to say schools to some extent that glorified, you know, daycare centers and fulfill a role to support parents when they go to work and things like that. So that was one of the other challenges, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so where we are at this point in time is that we have an arrangement whereby the children come to school one day per week only. And as they come to school one day per week only, um, because what it does, it allows us to uh, check on their work, make sure that they do what they have to do, but also at the same time, uh, the teachers can teach and we try and cover all the subjects, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's been working quite well um, in that regard, in the sense that the children are learning, they come with their masks, uh, we impose strict discipline. Um, I'm an old school person and we maintain an old school culture. Uh, at our school and um, and the model is working quite well in terms of one day schooling and uh, remote schooling and things like that mm-hmm. uh, okay. just one thing that I want to say because you spoke about the government and everything else mm-hmm. um, this whole like this is not the first time the world is in, has been in this um, uh, situation there's been various different mm-hmm. world wars and the Spanish flu and whatever else and mm-hmm. um, my, my view has been that when situations like these unfold, uh, it, it demands and calls for great leadership or, and people to be innovative, right? And we foresaw this. It happened in China and other countries before South Africa was struck, right? And we had two months to prepare, in all, in all fairness. And having two months to prepare, um, education also being a priority, I don't think sufficient energy was directed towards doing that. Because if now, uh, government's talking now about giving South African Airways another 16 billion rands, right? Um, after they've given them 35 billion rands in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, if the government uh, and other role players um, said it was a wonderful opportunity to bring the public schools on par with um, um, uh, the, the more wealthier schools. We're not a wealthy school, by the way, but I'm just mentioning in general, <laughs> right? Um, and inject enormous innovation uh, and make um, uh, technology tools available to children, right? It'd have, it would have cost them less than 6 billion rands um, and using the various different broadcasting stations and train children, unemployed youth, graduates to assist the schools and the teachers in terms of applying technology. We would have achieved far much more in terms of moving to the, um, to, to the fourth industrial revolution and also looking at different ways of teaching and applying things differently. And I strongly believe that it was a lost opportunity that we have not harvested or mm-hmm. used, you know, and it's, it's, it's gonna haunt us. And there's a big risk yeah. that we we, we stand to lose, we stand, really stand to lose the entire year, you know, and, and, and even with the last, this latest, my personal views, the latest closure of the schools, and I understand that different schools have different capacities, different leadership, different resources, right? And it does pose a challenge, and I'm not taking a lot of things for granted. I, I 
do understand that I do know some of the challenges. But I do believe, I sincerely do believe that if the, the pressure to close the schools, because like uh, the, the more emphasis is, is, is focused on the problems and the challenges, and we don't apply sufficient energy and resources and time to look at possible solutions and how can we do things differently. And if we had done that, right, the, the, we would not have to close the schools to the extent to which we do and to the extent and the risk of this entire school year being lost because that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, and I don't believe that uh, it was entirely based on um, scientific reasons. The unions started to be in a massive role to play in this regard and they did contribute, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to inject more energy of finding different solutions and different ways of doing it. Because like, um, I don't believe this will be the last end of the virus. Um, there'll be new viruses that will emerge and we need to foresee that and, and start preparing um, uh, because we can't every time, uh, many other, um, we cannot let this generation of learners be the generation of learners that will be entirely unemployable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, 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 brother principal. Uh, again, you know, education is a matter of national security and, yes. you know, uh, 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 a lot of us certainly were greatly disturbed, uh, by that you know, uh, those funds going to the South African Airways, you know, uh, that has been over the years grossly mismanaged and uh, by inept leadership. You know, uh, South Africa is a democracy right mm. now. And, and, and I, I, I love my country enough to criticize, you know, uh, when mm. there are, uh, are misappropriation, uh, such as what's going on right now, you know, uh, as well as just some of the other decisions that's been made you know, uh, especially on the economic side, you know, in, in, I mean, we're trying to function as if, you know, uh, there has not been, you know, uh, economic marginalization, you know, uh, in the country, you know, uh, so you, you cannot be, you know, uh, the world's greatest democracy yet try to undergird that democracy with the world's worst economic system, which is trickle down economics. I mean, let's just be clear about that. So, uh, 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 and we see how this is now playing out as to, you know, the investment in education. Again, let me repeat, you know, the, the, the quality of education is a matter of national security because, you know, uh, it um, lets us know, yeah. you know, how we are willing to invest, you know, in the future. Clearly to teach is to touch a life forever. And, and that's why I always yes. took my hat, you know, to uh, educators for the work that, uh, that you all are doing. We want to quickly shift back to our scientists, you know, and our medical, you know, uh, uh, expert that's on the panel, Dr. You know, uh, Mary Adam. You know, clearly, you know, the, 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 the scientific community, the medical community has to guide us around, you know, this whole piece of, you know, uh, education, you know, uh, in physical location or education in remote location or virtual location, right? You know, uh, Dr. Mary, you've heard what our, you know, our educators have said. How do we, you know, especially when it comes to uh, preventative education, we've certainly talked about that, uh, 
you know, in terms of uh, that the important role of this for parents, you know, uh, for uh, extended family, you know, uh, as we seek to surround our, you know, children, you know, and be a village around them to make sure that they have the necessary protection, they have the necessary direction in terms of how to behave, you know, during this time of abnormalcy uh, and engage in the necessary adaptation that they need to engage in for such a time as this. Your thoughts, Doc? Thank you so much. And also to have um, the educators on board to give their perspective of what's happening on the ground. Um, certainly um, from a health perspective, um, through research, it was shown that um, it would, um, in a way, be safe for um, children to go back to school. And this came out of a study from China where 90% of the uh, schooling population, that's the learners, um, or children would have uh, would contract COVID, but they would have mild disease. And in having mild disease, this would mean that they would not be able to um, transmit the virus because the virus in their systems are of such low um, uh, viral loads. But in saying that, uh, again, each individual is different in terms of the symptomology that they actually present with. And therefore, um, in that, the more obviously they display symptoms. And as um, our teacher Renata has mentioned, some of them would want to come to school even knowing when they're sick. And this is something that predates COVID, uh, where we know that if you're not well, it's not advisable to go to school or go to work or um, rather to um, go to your healthcare practitioner, whether that's uh, in um, uh, whichever uh, level of primary of care that you can go to, whether it's a deep clinic um, or to a hospital, uh, depending on how severe your symptoms are have that checked out and then um, have a medical certificate because obviously in every setting you need a medical certificate to say why you are absent from that particular space. Mm. Coming back to the children, um, like I've said, um, according to the study from China, because that's where that started, 90% of them didn't show any, well, they had mild symptoms and therefore um, it showed that they could go back to school. Out of the 10%, they did display severe symptoms. And even through that process, they're trying to understand a condition called um, pediatric inflammatory inflammatory <laughs> sometimes yeah I, I i it feels like i want to rap or something i don't know uh, <laughs> inflammatory multi-system um, syndrome and so um because a lot of these children out of that 10 percent have actually showed that um it's actually um they have contracted uh, COVID, so they're looking at what is the link between these two uh conditions and so, yes, uh, and, and we've seen this on social media, how parents would also show this on social media, the effects of the effect that COVID has on their child. And I think those images together with um, that 10% that has um, have severe illness, you know, that brought about a fear as to mm. what would, um, 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 certainly they wouldn't want that to be my child that would have to experience that. So you have to look mm. at the balance between um, what the majority would present with, and then what would also be the severity of those symptoms. Then um, looking at what has happened in the other um, countries and them opening up the schools, that's also what advised um, the South African government in terms of opening up the schools, because they do have a scientific plenary um, committee that looks at all of these and the information from the other countries. Um, and it, it is supposed to be a stepwise process. As our educators, 
educators had mentioned, even though it was seemed to be a holiday, um, this was an opportunity to basically research what COVID is. It was an opportunity to get more information. And then also for the government to put into policies that would basically look at educating the educator, knowing the structures that we have within South Africa. Number one, we've got two systems, the public and the private. And we all know due to the in inequalities in the, that predates 1994, that it's so unequal. And we can see that even today, COVID is just exposing yes. that. But what oh, happens? Yes, completely. It exposes it. And not even just in the rural urban setting, it's exposing it um, in the cities where you have the component of your public schools and your private schools, where you have them yes. living, coexisting. They're completely different in how they're functioning. And when it comes to healthcare, pre-94, they did have um, a nursing system. And the educators can maybe yeah. um, yes. guide of that but definitely we had a, a health system within the schools and this would be able to guide on many of the a health lot. issues that post 94 unfortunately that sort of dwindled away and that became a community um, um responsibility uh, mm -hmm. uh, sort mm. of like and the, the clinics would take on that responsibility but again looking at our socio-economic standing within our communities that's actually not viable because what happens is that a clinic in a day can see up to 200 to 500 people when do you have time to see students coming through that need to either report back to school if they're feeling better or so that system of pre-94 actually yes. helped in terms of allowing for the child to be attended to immediately notify the parents they could pick them up they could go home if they got better they could continue with um, the schooling system so that that that's one of the the the, the issues that uh, currently face the, mm -hmm. the, the system. Um, in terms of, again, um, when it comes to um, looking at what we speak about, let's say the three things that we mainly spoke about, which is isolation, uh, sanitizing, and wearing of masks. When we look at the public sector, um, when we look at, is not isolation, but um, distance, sorry, not isolation, but distance, yes. keeping that one meter to two meters. It's almost impossible within a public sector where you have 50 children doing that. So that was one of the things to look at, as to look at, to say, okay, we have 20, uh, we've got 50 edu uh, students in one class to one educator. Is it possible to divide those classes either into um, different classes for that, that duration of time? Or is it possible to bring them back at different time schedules? Um, unfortunately, again, this speaks to the inequality and uh, some of the discrepancies within the uh, education system because there we don't have enough teachers. Um, and then we don't want to also have burnout. Where you have burnout, stress on the system, again, you forget to then uh, not touch your eyes, touch your face, touch your mask. So it's yeah, yeah. contracting the virus. So all of those things, you know, um, I'm looking at it from a health perspective now. Then when you're looking at um, sanitizing, uh, the key thing about sanitizing is water and soap. Now, already yeah, when I was I a, a student at Parkdale Primary in the south of Johannesburg, El Dorado Park, it was regarded as a good primary school. But some of the time there were some issues with water. Soap I don't even want to talk about. So yes. what about? Currently, where those things that were provided by the government are not provided anymore. Now we're talking about providing of masks per student. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, that, that sanitizing, big issue. But now I'm talking about a South of Johannesburg school. What about when we look at Eastern Cape? One of the highlighted provinces, again, come always comp it's like we're competing who wants to be the epicenter with when it comes to COVID.
did love okay. the president bonus. We, we're glad to be back mm-hmm. once again. Uh, <laughs> we're grateful for our ho- our guest that's still with us. Uh, we just had a technical challenge with our system, but we're back. And uh, so glad that Dr. Mary Adam is still with us, Apostle Gary Lamont, uh, Renata Miles, as well as uh, Simon White. Thank you so much. Your, your thoughts uh, oh. have just been very, very uh, enlightening and so informational uh, around uh, what we can do. We're going to ask uh, Dr. Mary, just finish your thought uh, that you had, you know, around some of the, you know, uh, uh, preventative, you know, pieces, you know, that you wanted to share with us. Um, and it was just about the remote learning and how we have picked up the fourth in industrial revolution, particularly in our schools. And um, again, the teachers can guide me on this one in yeah. 2019. Um, or was it the beginning of 2019 when they um, tried to implement with the opening of schools, the use of um, digital technology within the schools, yeah. you know, providing laptops or providing iPads. Smart so. Yes, and whiteboards, yes, to sort of move away and also to make the schools green, uh, go green in a sense. So that was the move. But again, um, in, our, in, our, in our context, um, things often tend to take a little bit of time. And so unfortunately, uh, we got caught up in the COVID-19 and it again exposed the inequalities within our country, uh, within our continent, basically, with access to Wi-Fi, with access to um you know, digital learning away from the school structure because the idea about technology is that you can use it anywhere. So this would have provided also a good um, means of education away from a structural uh, building. Uh, so I think is that we, we really catch up when it comes to um, the fourth industrial revolution and as educators, healthcare, we need to, and I mean, even faith-based because we've seen with COVID-19, the, the, the real um, impact, especially at the beginning with Lockdown 5, was faith-based organizations. They really took um, the challenge of COVID-19 to reach the communities and, and we're really appreciative of that because um, without the faith-based communities, especially those living on the streets, those, when we speak about food security, those are the people who are on the ground listening to the people. So we appreciate them. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, you've mentioned so many of the inequalities, you know, uh, that uh, continues to exist yeah. uh, in South Africa right now, you know, uh, from health, from economics, you know, uh, to education. Uh, and as we look at solutions, you know, I think, you know, we would want the government to understand that, you know, you can't just make these blanket statements without uh, um, um, realizing the inequalities that exist. I mean, South Africa is one of the most unequal countries in the world. That was not uh, why our ancestors fought and died for. I mean, uh, what's happening right now, in my opinion, is a perversion of liberation. You know, uh, and so we really, there has to be a reckoning, you know, with what's going. Certainly, we don't want to go back, you know, uh, to the years, you know, uh, of apartheid. You know, however, we need to realize that uh, uh, if we are going to continue going the way we are going, uh, then uh, we will continue to what I call cruise, cru- cruise for a bruise. You know, uh, and those who will be bruised uh, will be the ones that look like us and will be the ones that will be in our townships you know, while we continue you know, with an economic system that continues to perpetuate inequality and the devaluing you know, of you know, uh, uh, the lives you know, uh, of the marginalized, the lives of, 
you know, the disenfranchised, you know, around that. And these are the individuals that our, 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 our public health uh, folk work with, our, 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 our educators work with, as well as our faith community work with, because we are on the pavement, we are in the streets, you know, as we, you know, work with, with these folk. I want to pick up uh, uh, Pastor, I mean, Apostle Lamont, you know, uh, you, uh, when you shared some uh, uh, powerful uh, thoughts, uh, you lifted up, you know, Isaiah 43, verse 19, you know, which, trans which will transition us, you know, uh, towards, you know, uh, the end of our time together. Uh, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah writes, um, Behold, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Uh, do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Uh, th there is a new thing that we need in so many ways and on so many levels. Uh, I'm going to invite you to give us, you know, your uh, a vision of a post-COVID-19 South Africa, the new thing that, that must emerge, that needs to emerge in education, the new thing that needs to emerge around our faith community, the new uh, thing that needs to be needs to emerge around, you know, our public health, you know, a system that we have, you know, in, in South Africa. So we'll just invite each one of you, you know, just to, just to share as we are in this time of audacity and adaptation, you know, what would a, 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 a post-COVID-19, uh, uh, what do we need to come to terms with in a post-COVID-19 in the Republic of South Africa? I'm going to start with Renata. And then, you know, I'll go to Apostle, you know, uh, Lamont, and then Simon, and then Dr. Mary will close us out. Uh, Renata, your thoughts. One thing that we have to realize is COVID is here to stay, like any other um, pandemic, any other disease. We're still living with TB and with mm -hmm. AIDS, and we've learned to control it in, 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 in a great manner. And likewise with COVID. So we will have to continue with the, the good practices. Mm -hmm. um, sanitizing, uh, just social distancing, and many other things will have to be adhered to for as long as we uh, we, we year. And as long as we plan to, to, to make this a livable um, community around the world, we'll have to continue to, with the good practices. Um, if I look at the education and in public sector, it, it, we have a lot of challenges, but we are also looking for a lot of solutions because otherwise educators will lose their jobs if we say we go electronic and uh, with devices all along because only a limited uh, expertise will be needed and required. But we also know learners need, they need um, to socialize. We've, we've, I think Simon has brought that also, and Mary has mentioned that. They need to, to see each other. They need to, to understand the new uh, rule under which they, they, they socialize now and are schooled. So we, we see the regular communication is, is, is key with our parents to understand. A child is not wearing a mask because he's being punished at school or it's different at school. And when he comes home... You don't have to wear a mask. It, they, they need to know that sanitizing, like I said earlier and as I started, it should be a, a continuing practice um, so that we can just 
help one another. And this just becomes the norm, the new normal, wearing your mask, talking to your friends and, and, and remembering all these things that it's part of our very lives now. So we need to have our whole community involved, including our churches, Pastor Gary, including our churches, where we where we just do it in, in a simple way, like we yeah. have the, the, the Sunday school, uh, even if it's, it's, it's virtual Sunday school, where we do all these good practices, even our devotion. I'm sure when you are doing your devotions, this is the great topic of COVID now and how we how we don't fear it, how we're not anxious about it all the time, but how we embrace it and how we trust God in all this. So if I look at the education, to go back to that, digital, digital learning is real. Mm-hmm. And we have to, yeah, the, the, like Mary said, we, we're going into a dispensation of we technology rules. And we see it with our learners. They learn so much better when there's a device, a smart device in front of them. They prefer the device than looking at teachers and hearing teachers talking and educators talking all the time. So we'll have to implement our government, our NGOs, our uh, uh, big companies have to come on board with the education system. We all have to hold hands, our churches, our social, uh, any uh, group that has uh, the interest at heart. All stakeholders I, I have to pull the, and bring in their bits so that we can have um, training for parents as well. I'm just looking at this scenario now. A child lives with a gogo, a granny. And this child needs a smartphone. Granny or whoever cannot afford it. So where will that child get a device to, to be in touch or online or to learn online when he or she is not at school? So we have to look at things like that. Um, discipline at home. Even if you live in this small space, everybody at home must know now it is learning time. Uh, the Television cannot be on, on, on loud music. It must now be uh, tuned into the channels, the learning channels that are provided <laughs> by our government. Where children can also a grade four learner must know, it's my time to sit in front of the TV if there's no other smart devices. I must sit in front of that television now and do my maths or do my natural science. Um, so it's going to be a whole ev- evolution if I might say so, at home, where we will have to uh, give each other space and our our children space, and give and, and realize that they have to learn to work on their own as well. Um, I would go as far as saying timetables must be set from the school side to the learners to the parents, where we say right on a Monday this is what we are doing. On a Monday we are from the, just like at school where you have a timetable that you a roster that you follow. Mm-hmm. Likewise, a child must understand that even if I'm away from the building school, I'm still being schooled. Right. I'm still being educated. Mm-hmm. They have to be um, so that means the whole family will be involved in education. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Parents are going to learn uh, anew to be involved and not say, "I don't even know in what grade you are." But they have to know even what technology is all about, what natural science is all about, what uh, physics is all about. And it doesn't mean that you're going to master by just guiding your child and showing an interest at, at that time when um, we're online, that online learning will be happening. Because I think this is where children just, you know, a child will always be a child. If you do not guide a child, if you don't say, tell a child, switch off. Take out the earphones out of your, your, your ears now. Uh, you're not listening to uh, uh, whoever at this moment, Drake 
or whatever, you are not rapping now, uh, Dr. Mary. You are you are going to use you are going to use this time uh, for formal learning. It's, yeah. it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. A child, the minute you turn your back and you go and hang the washing or do something else, a child will do as he pleases. He will he will just pretend. Children are good. They're very pretentious. They will, uh, especially if they, they, get, they get that gap, they will yeah. sit with the book, do something else. That's yeah. a typical child. So this is where we, mommy, daddy, that is where you're going to come in now, where you have to just oversee. And us as educators, we mustn't feel left out. We must take charge of this education and say, yes, it's changing. Yes, there are challenges. But what am I going to do as an educator? How am I going to claim back that calling or that that? job of mine, that, that career, how am I going to not be feel uh, replaceable? How am I going to feel that I'm, I'm, I'm just dispensable? No, no, no. I, I have to step up. Every teacher, every educator has to, has to step up. How innovative am I going to be? When I have that child once a week, Simon, how effective mm-hmm. am I going to be? I have to plan. I have to, when that child goes away, that child must be motivated. That child must know exactly what it is that I require from him. When he comes back, what mm-hmm. what assessments am I giving him? What will be what towards what am I working? Uh, it's not just exams. Mm-hmm. I think we're long past the stage where we're preparing children for exams. Right. We're preparing them for life. Yes. So if a child mm-hmm. is learning of chemistry from here, they will know when they go and cook at home. They can tell their parents that now I'm 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 I'm, I'm applying chemistry. I'm heat is, is involved here, yeah, or, or whatever, chemical reaction, uh, the rate of reaction is slow, and there are internal factors, or whatever. Wait, I won't go into my subject now, but what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that <laughs> it's going to be a reality check, check for all of us. All right. We are going to definitely have to be schooled from the gogo, the Uma, the grandmother, Mm-hmm. In a simple way, we, we have to f- find a way to, to meet each w- one another. And to the parent who, who maybe feels, I did, you know, I, I never did matric. I was never in grade 12. But you are so much wiser, mommy, daddy. You're so much wiser. So uh, apply that and also just be with your child all along, nudging him. How, uh, what are you doing now? What topic are you busy with? It helps a child to, to know that you are keeping that on them. And then I would even go as far as with public schools. Let's have a timetable for uh, all grades in terms of utilizing the, the, the television where we know that every subject will be televised. Right. And at that time, a child will sit in front of the TV and watch the specific topic. Because you see, we give our children an ATP, which is the syllabus. The topics that we are busy with at, at in school from the week uh, from week one up until the very end, and we also give them the time, even the time that we will uh, you uh, spend on a topic. Mm-hmm. So children will now have to challenge me, Simon, and every other educator on. They have to come back with questions. Right. I did this on my own, but I don't quite understand that. Right. I think then you'll have more motivated educators if they, and they must prepare right. because they will know mm-hmm. a child will come back that once a week with questions. Yeah. And yeah. it will only happen if we hold hands yeah. and all stakeholders come to this party. And COVID is just one factor that influences. And right. we we'll have already learned how to, 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 to overcome that in terms of... of, 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 of 
the situation. Yeah. Um, sanitize, mm-hmm. wear your mask, do what you have to do. All right. And w- once we, once we there, mm-hmm. Calvin, once we there, then and we're holding hands and the stakeholders are together. Then we say, right, so let's talk now. What is it that mm-hmm. that is challenging you at home? And we say what challenges us at school. But it's going to be a learning curve for all of us. And and I'm asking educators who are watching, are we ready for this? Parents who are watching, are you ready for this? Whoever, the church, the the social workers, uh, health workers, are we all ready for this? Because like uh, Dr. Mary said, we also need health workers at school. You know, we, we almost, without the first infection at our school, we all... Immediately as we had someone is infected, we all immediately had, had all the symptoms. Mm-hmm. We were all sick, <laughs> waiting to die. We went into a emotional, panic. yeah, panic. We, we panicked, all of us, adults, yeah. the children. Yeah. The children looked at us and said, immediately as they walked out of the school, it was on Facebook already, oh, there was a teacher crying, teachers were crying, and oh, uh, so there's something, something happened, a teacher's dying of, of, of COVID. That's, that was their perspective. And we quickly, <laughs> we quickly had to gather ourselves and say, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. we have to guide them. Right. As right. much as we are anxious, we have to take charge. And we've taken our department, we've taken them on, where they uh, would give us but you know, it's uh, 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 SMSs and emails and WhatsApps on what we shouldn't do. But we said we will do what works at school for us on a daily uh, uh, manner. What works today doesn't necessarily work tomorrow. But we will take it as it comes, protecting mm-hmm. the the family, the community of 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 educators, learners, uh, non-teaching staff, whoever is part of that family. They are protected. Why? Because we each have a responsibility. Right. Can I just mention that so, we are supposed to have brigades. Brigades are now youngsters who are trained, who are unemployed, who are trained to come and screen our learners in the morning. They never pitched at our school. I don't know why. I'm not a politician. But you know what we do as teachers? We screen. We screen in the morning. We even have a timetable. And we, we, we bring coffee for one another and we try and make it livable. Right. And we... Yeah, we just, because we, we realized one important thing. We have to con- conform to this new normal. Right. Whether it changes and policy changes, we have to adapt and adapt quickly before we really all are infected because we have, we have chosen to be arrogant mm. and blaming others. We can blame the department. We can blame the education system. But you know, at school, they don't know about the little, the few of us, the 1,500 learners we have and the 50-odd teachers and 12 uh, uh, non-workings. They, yeah. they, they're not focusing on us alone. Right. They have a, a, a larger community to look at. So while we're doing this and we're advising them in a capacity like, well, this works for us. Sometimes yeah. we need to be a little bit stubborn and adamant. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We hear what you're saying, but this hap- this is happening here. This is the reality here for us now. Right. Come so, and help us. Come and advise us. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you know what happens? Our um, superiors, they fell ill first. And you know, our offices closed first. So where were we supposed to run to? Right. And mm-hmm. we realized, wow, mm-hmm. wow, now we have to work here at school so that we don't end up closing 
every uh, second week. So we had to take charge. We had to, and, and we, we don't want inconsistency in any child's life. Yeah. No educator wants that. Right. So it would be good to have the learners there. Having them in line, Simon, marching them, yes, being strict and telling them, this is, please, social distancing, please, wear your mask, post-sanitize, pre-sanitize, sanitize, wash your hands. I even told the mm -hmm. learners, bring your soap because you gave them a, a little soap and tell yourself, I'm going to add a number to how many times I'm going to wash my hands. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We have one tap outside mm -hmm. at our school, just one tap. Right. So now we have to work at that. Okay, instead of fighting and, and complaining about it we've asked other people in the community who can come and fit us with more taps mm -hmm. so that we can just help so, our learners so, we so, have to take charge yeah. so, so after to... complaining mm -hmm. and crying and feeling like victims we said well are we going to wait and die are we going to live like waiting to die because COVID is here mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so thanks thanks so much I wanna, let's, stay, let's stay with the, uh, with the with the education piece uh, Simon you have anything to add to that I know Renata gave us an exhausted amount of, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, new things that we have to do in this new season that we are in and, and continue to live into, you know, around it. Anything that you want to add from an educational perspective? I, I like Renata's spirit. I think that's the right spirit, mm -hmm. more so the one of taking charge when the elder leaders um, were kind of like inf uh, infected first. You know, but I think in terms of trying to be uh, solution-driven. But one thing I must say, um, a lot of the things that we are facing in South Africa, in my view, is primarily uh, a leadership issue, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we can change the mindset. There has to be a deliberate, conscious understanding um, where, from everybody, and the leadership must unfortunately take the lead uh, in this instance. Um, w my wish list, in essence, is that as a country, as a nation, we need to reprioritize the importance of education, right? Um, our parents and our generation have yeah. fallen ill and have suffered the pains of apartheid, right? And uh, to, to, to great distress, um, the current trajectory that we're currently facing is that the next generation of adults are going to be poorer and more illiterate than their parents as it is, mm. uh, if you look at the current trajectory. And, um, and we have to arrest that. We have to arrest that. So, and also, um, we are not immune to the global challenges and the global economic dynamics. Um, we're part of the global economy, right? And there's no reason that uh, our children should believe that the Chinese or the Israelis and the South Koreans are smarter and better. Yes, right. yes. Right? Um, like we teach our kids, you know, um, they are there. They're going to be the presidents and they're going to be the new scientists, the new innovators and everything else. Mm -hmm. And the point I'm making is that we have to, as a nation, we, we have to reignite and elevate the importance of education. Right. Because when we, all, when we grew up, we all know that our parents used to motivate us, go to school because that's the only option you really have yes. to get yourself out of the mess 
and uh, the turmoil of our lives yeah. and everything else. Right. You know, and we worked hard and we sacrificed. Yeah. Nowadays, education is like a Jamal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, education has lost its virtue in terms of hope, inspiration, so and mm-hmm. making us believe there's a better future. Yeah. So we need to urgently mm-hmm. reignite and showcase the benefits of education as a country Absolutely. and reprioritize yeah. what education can do. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that's a starting point because yeah. unless we deal with this thing from a strategic, uh, psychological and philosophical point of view and even a spiritual point of view, um, we would not grasp the importance of education. Yeah. It will be just be another, by the way, um, you know, ye prek alweer type of thing, you know, and, and I think that needs to change. Yeah. Um, so once Correct. we once we change that, that's mm-hmm. how we can get all the role players. And I like Renata's approach of the magogo, the parents, mm-hmm. everyone, the the guy working in the garden, everyone yeah. needs to be involved in educating the nation in one shape, form, another. Yeah. You know, it's like we embark yeah. on a five-year, three-year uh, program of deliberately reigniting education mm. and its importance, you know, and look at different ways of doing it. And it's not to say that we can't. It's not to say that we don't have the resources, financial and human resources. We do, right? It's all about reprioritizing and reallocation of resources. There's enormous wastage in this country. Enormous. Yeah. Right. So, and, and so we want the, to. Um, yeah. Let me, yeah. Thanks for that. that. That's just great. You know, uh, around it. Thank you for that, Simon. Uh, we, we're running low on time. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So thanks uh, for that. I want to uh, ask, you know, Apostle Lamont just to share a little bit, you know, around uh, how will a new thing look for the faith community? Um, uh, as we come out of this, I mean, the scripture says, you know, uh, talks about, you know, a, a road in the desert, you know, uh, and, and it's a new season, you know, it's a new day. How will that, how will a post-COVID-19, you know, new season look for uh, churches and the faith community? Uh, Apostle Lamont, any thoughts on that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Calvin. And uh, I, I, well, I just need to say first, before I go into the post, um, we have educators on the line, we have principals and the teachers and the doctors on the line. Uh, South Africa, or South Africans, South, Africa, South Africans rather, we are very unique. I heard the principals switch from English to Afrikaans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's so unique. That's so unique of us. Very, very unique. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are tuned in that don't understand what he said, but that is us as Africans, or rather as South Africans. Uh, very, very unique. Um, as a church, uh, as a whole, the Ecclesia of God, we, we find ourselves in a very difficult uh, situation uh, now because uh, when we started at level five lockdown, uh, there was no church for almost two months. Now, if you have to uh, learn a habit, it takes 21 days to learn any habit and to adapt to that habit. Uh, we had two months of no church. Now the churches are open. Uh, those of us, uh, Renato, that have church, uh, social media church just don't work for me. 
Uh, now that the churches are open, we have to uh, obviously do whatever is necessary, humanly possible, do the yeah. sanitizing, do the masks, uh, nice. do the social distancing. And can you imagine, um, our building takes almost 550 people, can you imagine having 50 people in the building doing social distancing with masks on and no one says anything? Uh, it's a habit now that, they, that they've learned and we have to undo that. Yeah. We have to mm. undo that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's going to be a difficult task. Uh, you're in church and you do some praise and some worship and it looks like no one is singing. <laughs> Yes. So we've we've already adapted. <laughs> we've already adapted to to the the, the so-called norm or new norm uh, that the world system is giving to us. We have already adapted to that. Can you just imagine that you have people that the only spiritual food they get is on a Sunday morning, yes. uh, and and now for months and months they didn't get it. So spiritually they are dry. Spiritually, they are, some of them are dead, spiritually. And now you have to come and revive uh, the dry bones, the dead bones uh, in the valley. And you have yeah. to come and revive it again. It's, it's, it's a mammoth task. It's a mammoth task, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. We, we face now currently with a lot of stuff as, as, as ministers, as the church, First of all, uh, there's gender-based violence that is on the increase. It's rising every day in our country. Uh, there is joblessness. People are losing their work. And uh, people are looking at the church to, to bring a solution, yeah. to help, to feed. Uh, we feed people almost every second week uh, with parcels. Almost every second week. That's what we do. Uh, so it is, it's a challenge for us. But I like the scripture that we spoke about, Isaiah 43. Uh, Reverend Calvin, you read the, 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 the letter part of it. I want to read uh, verse 18. It says, forgetting the former things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Forgetting yeah. the former things. Uh, and Isaiah is not suggesting, nor is God suggesting in the scripture that we must forget COVID. God is not even mm. suggesting that. He says forgetting those things, but we're going to go on further quickly with the next minute. Also, he said, forget the former things. And then he says, do not dwell in them. Mm-hmm. Now, God is not asking uh, Israel to forget about the former things here. Uh, he's, 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 he's telling them not to dwell in it. In yeah. order for us to move forward in the church as, as the ecclesia of God, we need to forget about, rather not dwell in COVID, but not forget about COVID. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We need to not dwell in yes. it. There's a difference between forgetting and dwelling you know yeah. god says forget those things it, at this point in time in the life of israel they were taken captive by the babylonians and they were in exile they were not yeah. in egypt they were not slaves they were just in exile and they were longing to go back to worship their god we are in that state now in the world there are lots of people that are longing to go back to worship god but god is saying yeah. to us yeah. even in this covert do not dwell yeah. in it. Do not yes. dwell in COVID. But forget about yes. uh, the past. Forget about that we are going through the struggle and the pain. Uh, uh, do not dwell in it. And then he said, and then he goes on. He said, do not dwell on it. Uh, and then he said, see. With an exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. says, see. 
I will do a new thing. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. What we see now is COVID, but God says there's something beyond COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a life yeah. beyond COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, look at, at 1918 when we had the Spanish flu. Uh, there's still life after Spanish flu. Yeah. There's still life after Spanish flu. There's still, will still be life after. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. But you... the problem that we have mm-hmm. is that we 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 don't forget, which is good. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, but we dwell. God says, "Don't dwell there. Mm-hmm. Don't dwell there. Yeah. Rather dwell yes. in the secret place of the Most High." Post COVID, post COVID, God is going to do a marvelous thing because I believe post COVID the church will be more. Than, than vibrant, uh, more than uh, 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 what we were before COVID. Yeah. I believe that yes. the remnant of God's yeah. people, that God is raising up for a time such as this and for a time after COVID. All right. If COVID is here to stay, yes. that's COVID's problem. But there's for us. Yeah. <laughs> we will serve the Lord in newness of life. All right, all right. That's that, that's the apostle, the, the presiding prelate. All right, now, uh, uh, we 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 are we are out of time, but I, I do want to give the doctor just a few uh, uh, seconds to just uh, close us out. You know, uh, because you bring together for us, uh, Doctor Mary, both faith and health. You know, uh, given that you are a woman <laughs> of faith and a uh, a doctor of medicine, so uh, just uh, close us out with a word up, and then uh, and then we'll. You know, um, be grateful for that as we uh, uh, transition, you know, towards benediction. Yes. I just want to say thank you to our educators because I would not. Sorry? Can I just say something before the doc comes in? This is one of my favorite sayings. She's going to give us a pill and we will give them the gospel. (laughs) <laughs> hey! Yeah, yes. yes. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, down. I'm down. I'm down. Yes. I'm down. Yes. All right. So um, I just want to say to the educators, thank you so much. I, I always go back to my educators and often do a, a tribute to them because without them, I would not be where I am today and sort of have the global view or the global thinking um, that I do and sometimes still challenge myself and even on platforms like this. So I say thank you very much for the work that you do and uh, continue to do. And and I know like um, teacher, ma'am, you know, I said we must move to, uh, you know, uh, remote learning. You can never replace a teacher because you need a teacher to continue to motivate you, continue to inspire you to be great, greater than who you believe. And a a computer can't um, pick out those things the niche of who you are. So I want to just continue to encourage you um, um, as the teacher, as a principal, to continue to just continue to inspire us as young people. I'm still young. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Young people uh, to do great things and to continue to want to do great things for our communities and then for our country to show off our continent and to be global uh, players. Um, uh, 
Reverend Calvin um, also gave me um, some very insightful thoughts and words. And one of the things that he said that really changed my perspective about education when I felt like I was a little bit stuck. And he said that educa education is the great equalizer. So no matter what room you go into or get into, no matter what space you get into, education puts you on the same platform. Mm -hmm. So I would always mm -hmm. encourage young people to go on and, and choose education. Any form of it. it. It doesn't necessarily need to be formal yeah. because I need yes. a formal education to, to pursue the dream that I have. Mm -hmm. So, but for other educate uh, for others, access education in any form that you can possibly do. Yeah. Right. I want to just um, commend uh, Apostle Gary Lamont and um, Jaira Ministries International because he left out a part where uh, before the lockdown happened, when COVID was already in, in, in our ears and in our minds, um, he took on the responsibility to educate, do health education um, in the church service. So he offered up time in the church service to actually educate. Uh, he took up two services, actually, I might say, to educate his congregation, his community regarding um, COVID-19. And I think that's a bold uh, move. And yeah. this is what we're talking yes. about, boldness and adapting to the situation. So I think that that is something that we have to commend, is that's the type of community leaders that yeah. we need in communities that would say, you know what, yes. this is something that my people need to understand, they need to participate in, because it will affect them directly. Right. Not now, but it's coming. Yeah. So that's the type of leaders that we need. And I want to also, um, as per uh, Principal uh, White was saying, is that we need strong leadership that would guide us, not uh, move from one part to another, fall on their feet. Because again, um, the Word of God says that yeah. how do you trust a that is is almost tossing and turning like the wind right. because right. they double minded so we don't we don't need that <laughs> we need leadership that yeah. is going to guide us with yeah. strong like strong scientific information but also what will benefit our communities great and great. then yeah also what Renata had said in terms of conforming um, to what the pattern is. And the word of God is also clear on that when he speaks in Romans 12 verse 2 about do not conform to the p patterns oh, to of the this world, world yeah. but in the transforming of your mind, renewing it. Really? And this will test God's will. And this is perfect for the time that we're living in because yes. we need tested we need to test our faith we need to test what we believe in because if we don't we cannot come out as perseverers we cannot come out as what um um conquerors warriors yes. so again during this time whether you're in mm -hmm. health whether in education whether you're in faith-based ministry we need to test our beliefs and covid is doing that because it's taking out of us yes. what we knew but and what we think we know because i can tell you uh, as teacher renata has said is that ma'am you know every day in the health sector we plan we prepare you know and we think we are we on top of this covid thing but i can tell you Sometimes it can kick us in the butt. I'm not going to use stronger language than that because yes. we've got a minute. I don't want to come with this. I mean, what principle? I want to just say that, that we need to really test who we are in this time right. so that we can, as the theme of today, is be audacious in the things that we say, the approach that we take, and it will allow yeah. us to adapt to the situation. But certainly, yes. conform. Yes. Because yes. COVID is teaching us as well that the minute we conform, I come in and slut on dear and dear. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you.
Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Mary. I just want to thank you for your passion, each one of you, your vision, and your reimagination that you've expressed today uh, on Faith Without Borders. Uh, and again, uh, uh, we want you to know that uh, we certainly lift you up in our prayers. You have our partnership. And Amen. You what you need to do, you know, uh, for such a time as this. Let us continue to be courageous and audacious during these uh, uh, perilous, you know, and tumultuous times, knowing, you know, uh, that God is with us every step of the way. Yeah. He promised yeah. to never leave us nor forsake us, but more importantly, he reminds us that nothing can separate us from his mm -hmm. love and oh, yeah. that we've been made yeah. uh, more than conquerors. We will conquer this and let's conquer it with our community and within our country as we continue to facilitate God's love and God's compassion. Much yeah. love to all of you and so much appreciation Thank you. To, to you too. Uh, and looking forward to yeah. our ongoing yeah. conversations and collaboration as we do the work that we've called to do. From South Los Angeles to South Johannesburg to Cosmos City, yes. we love you. The Lord bless and keep you. Yeah. And stay safe, stay Amen. strong, stay prayerful, and stay hopeful. Peace out. Kevin, thank you for doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. In the past two weeks, the number of cases of COVID-19 outside China has increased 13-fold. And the number of affected countries has tripled.